Hey guys, I'm Caitlin Adams, and welcome to the Kirk Students Podcast. We're the student ministry from the Kirk Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you'll hear sermons from Josh Lyle, Colin Grant, and other guest speakers. You can look in the show notes for small group questions and talking points. Make sure you subscribe and share with anyone who follows Kirk Students. If you want to know more about us or get in touch, visit us at thekirk.com or follow us on Instagram at Kirk Students. Now, let's jump in. You guys can have a seat. Good morning. It's glad to have everybody back from camp. Um, it's cool to have cotton candy on the floor. I love that. This is how we get ants. Just letting you know, this is, this is how we get ants. Um, no, that's okay. Um, one of my favorite passages of Scripture is what we're going to go over today. Um, and I will uh, be diligent with our time so that we can uh, try to get the most out of this. So Matthew chapter 11, if you're not there, get there. Um, this is what it says. I'm going to read it to you, uh, verses 1 through 11. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, and lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. And the poor have the good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in the king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before me. Last verse. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And everybody said amen and amen. I love the Bible, and I love this passage, and I love Jesus' posture, and I love the conviction. This is what G.K. Chesterton says. Instead of looking at books and pictures about the New Testament, I looked at the New Testament. There I found an account, not in the least of a person with his hair parted in the middle or his hands clasped in appeal, but of an extraordinary being with lips of thunder, and acts of lurid decision, flinging down tables and casting out devils, passing with the wild scenery of the wind from mountain isolation to a sort of dreadful demagogy, a being who acted like an angry God and always has been, or and always like a God. The diction used about Christ has been sweet and submissive, but the diction used by Christ is quite giganticus. It is full of camels leaping through needles and mountains hurled into the sea. When Jesus comes, uh, we miss him because we think it should be something different. We think that someone's going to rule over Rome and take down the world, and we think that he's going to set a new world order, and we've talked about this so many times. He does this, but he does it inwardly, not so much outwardly. So what do we do when uh, what we expect doesn't happen? I have a video for us today, and um, again, I wasn't expecting how hard this lady goes off. So go ahead and play that video. Just hit the next. Oh, I think you have to turn the volume up on the computer, maybe. And if you've seen it, maybe unmute the computer, or maybe just whatever, maybe not. We're going to have to play it again because she's really good. Um, You got it? Yeah, woo woo. Woohoo. There you go. Turn it up. 
that you have done. Yes, I'm grateful for this chicken and these buns. I could go on and on and on about these fries because I'm grateful, grateful, so grateful that this bird has died. So flowing from my heart is this love for these milkshakes in my heart. It's Chick-fil-A, it's Chick-fil-A, it's Chick-fil-A. Lord. And the church said amen. Wasn't expecting that. That's our equivalent to, that's the closest we're ever going to see to Phil Collins doing the Tarzan soundtrack. He did not have to do what he did, but he did it, and he did it for us. He did not have to be so fantastic. But what do you do with the unexpected? Well, this is saved in my camera roll, just in case I want the glory to come down in my car every now and again. What, what do you do with the unexpected? Uh, the Bucks won the championship against the Suns, and Giannis says this, I could have went to a major market team, but I did it the hard way. I stayed in Milwaukee. What do you do with the unexpected? What do you do when what you think was going to happen? I thought it was going to be Suns and Six. And now the Bucks and Six. And, and what, what do you do when you have this unexpected moment? I have another video on my phone. I'll show it to you uh, later. There's a guy, like, playing pickup basketball, and then all of a sudden he, like, puts his heels back, and he's wearing Heelys, and he just cruises to the basket. Uh, like, what, like, what do you do with this? And, and most of us, when, when we see things or we feel things that are unexpected, we don't quite know how to process. We have a moment like this where what in the world, like the anointing is heavy on the chicken and on the girls singing about the chicken. But what do we do when everything shifts in a moment, when doubt creeps in, when we have questions? And I love that John the Baptist asked this question. He says, man, when John heard the news of Jesus in prison, he's in prison. Does anybody know why he's in prison? It's very simple. He had a biblical view of marriage. He gets his head cut off for saying that the way that marriage was being viewed shouldn't be that way. That's not the way. So if you have a biblical view of marriage, right, we're going to struggle with that one in a little bit, I'm sure. It's coming for us. But now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word to his disciples and said, are you the one to come, or should I look for another? And Jesus and John are related. They're cousins. They're buds. They grew up together. There is uh, a whole lot of familiarity with John and Jesus. And John says, Jesus, I need to know, man, are you the one or should I keep looking? And so the disciples get to Jesus and they ask him, hey, Jesus, this is what John's asked us to ask you. Let us know. And Jesus quotes scripture. I think it's Isaiah where he says, um, go and tell John what you hear and you see. The blind receive their sight. Amazing things are happening. The lame are, walk, the, the, are walking. The sick are being healed. Lepers are being cleansed. The deaf are hearing. The dead are being raised up. Like Jesus is making the things happen that the Old Testament said would happen. And then he says, and the poor have good news preached to them. But if you read the chapters that Jesus is quoting, there's a part that he's missing where he says, and the captives go free. He doesn't say that part to John. So what he says is, all of these things that you have, have heard about, that you have been prophesying for, they're happening, and you're going to die in prison for having a biblical view of marriage. But then Jesus says this, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. 
Blessed is the one who rejoices when all these good things that have been prophesied happen to other people, and maybe it doesn't feel like it's happening to me because the kingdom's breaking in. Heaven is coming to earth. Um, Jesus's promises are much more uh, substantial than my questions. Everything that I have for Jesus. Jesus, are you the one or should I look for another? Jesus, is this the person you have for me? Jesus, is this the place you have for me? Jesus, all of the promises that are found in Jesus are much more substantial and will last much longer than my questions. Jesus, are you the one or should I look for another? Everything that you've heard, everything that you've worked for, everything that you're about to die for is happening. Hold on to the faith, John. You know me, you know the word, you, like you're born for this. You're born for this moment, and we have this marked path. Well, the path that's being marked here for the life of the Christian is not marked with certainty in a system, but an assurance of a Savior. Like Jesus is who he says he is, and he'll do what he said he would do, and that he has been who he said he would be, and that he's faithful, even when we don't understand what faithfulness is. Even when we struggle with our questions and our preconceived notions, um, I have this as a slide. Uh, John, being honest with his doubt and asking questions, doubt often follows the unexpected because we had a preconceived idea of what would be. We thought that it would feel like this, and it doesn't. We thought that that relationship would satisfy, and it doesn't. We thought that this money would do what everything else wouldn't do, and it doesn't. And that's where doubt creeps in. Well, maybe I should look harder. Maybe I should be somewhere else. Maybe I should move on. Maybe I should put this thing down and pick up something else. And John, being in prison, asked him this very honest question, very much uh, like a Jeremiah 2. In Jeremiah 2, God asked this very simple question, but it's very humbling, and it's very uh, profound for me. He says, um, I've been with you guys since the beginning. Why did you leave me? God asked this question. What, he, he says, what wrong did your fathers find in me that you didn't want me anymore? Jesus has been uh, in this moment doing ministry, um, really kind of getting ready to break out, and all these amazing things are happening. And John hears about it in prison, and he asks this question. And then in verse 7, it says this. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. So his, John's disciples have left. They've gotten this message, hey, everything that you've prophesied for is going to happen, and you're going to die in prison. And that's the end that John, that's what John gets. That's it. Everything that you said would happen, everything that, that you were promised has happened. And you got to kind of ask yourself, is that going to be enough for John? Would that be enough for you? Knowing that freedom is what Jesus is offering and you're going to die in a jail cell. Can you celebrate other people's freedom? Can you celebrate the liberation of other people being free from their sin and free from their bondage and free from their addiction? And Can you invite people into a space that you're struggling in, but you know it's going to be freedom for them? Can you celebrate the things that Jesus celebrates, not just the things you want to celebrate? So it says, as, as they went away, Jesus began to, to speak to the crowds concerning John. Now, what Jesus says next, John doesn't hear. Jesus is about to pull the great affirmation. He's going to say, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing. Behold, those who wear soft clothing lives in king's houses. Where's John right now? Not in a king's house. Is in a king's jail cell. Verse 9, what then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. And I tell you, uh, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. John doesn't hear this. Jesus doesn't share this information with John. 
He does not let John know of all the people born of, of women. That's a lot of people. Almost all of us, right? All of us? Yes. Of all the people who have existed, who will exist, who are existing presently in this moment, John, you surpass them all. John doesn't get that message. So maybe affirmation isn't as important as we'd like to think it is. Maybe us thinking that we're doing the best job in the world or us thinking that we're doing awesome things in our faith isn't, like, that isn't the point. Maybe that also isn't what we need to hear. Like, if you're crushing it in your faith, you know that. If you're struggling in your faith, you know it. Like, you, you, you know when you're having a good day and a bad day. You know, I went to a guy's Bible study at TU on Thursday night. I got invited. It was a great time, and, and, we, and we hung out, and it was awesome. And, and all these guys there just inspired the mess out of me. They're doing this on their own. Like, no one's leading it or anything. And, and they're, they're being so uh, honest and vulnerable. And they're saying, like, give me your high and your low. How you doing physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally? How you do, and these guys, these football players, basketball players, they're all just like being honest. They deserve badges for emotional honesty. They're just throwing emotional honesty around this room. And it's inspiring. And it's encouraging. And I'm sitting here thinking, if these guys can be honest with themselves where they are, man, I really feel distant from the Lord this week. Or, man, the Lord and I have been so near. I'm struggling in my relationships with my friends. But, man, the Lord and I are good. Like, why isn't there, like, why isn't that the common thing? John can be honest. Jesus, are you it? Because it doesn't feel like you're it. Are you really going to do what you said you were going to do? Because it does not feel like you're going to do what you said you were going to do. Is all of my ministry been for nothing? I baptized people and then I baptized you and now I'm going to get my head cut off. And like, if we might not be that drastic. We might not be that far in. But some of us are just struggling and we have questions and how many of your things or your questions or your concerns are going unanswered because you won't be honest with them? You won't just tell them. How many things are left unsaid between you and the Lord? Like, Lord, I'm struggling with this. How many things are left unhealed because you don't bring them to light? John says, I'm in a jail cell. I've got nothing to lose. Are you the one or should I look for another? The marked path is not marked by a certainty in a system, but a certainty and an assuredness in a Savior. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. If all of verse 5, which says, uh, if all of verse 5, which says, uh, go and tell John what you hear and see, the blind, all, all the good things, the blind receive sight, the lame walk. If all of verse 5 is true for other people, but not true for me, can I still say yes and amen? Like, what if my stuff isn't healed? What if it doesn't feel healed? Can I celebrate and rejoice with others? You got two more things. The more we can step over ourselves, the better picture we will have of Jesus in his fullness because we aren't blocking our own way. How many of you guys have ever heard, like, man, you just got to get out of your own way? You're right. I've, I've heard this all the time. Maybe that's just my personality. If you guys haven't heard that, I guess you have a better personality than me. But I get in my own way all the time. Uh, I, I have two feet, and I often put both of them in my mouth at the same time. This is very common, and uh, it happens to tons of people. And essentially what it is is we're just getting in our own way. We're not meaning to. We don't have bad intentions. We don't, I don't know. It, it's just, it's kind of how it is. When, when you're growing, you're learning, you're stumbling. You guys ever seen like a kid learn to walk? They just kind of fumble around, right? Like it's, it's just part of it, part of maturing, part of growing. But if I could just get over myself a little bit, if, if I could just kind of see beyond my own issues that the Lord knows, that some of you, your friends know, if I could just get over my own doubts a little bit, not saying don't have questions, just give them to the one who can answer them. And be okay when they're not answered in the way you think they should be answered. 
there is much we need to get over in our day-to-day to hear and see this message appropriately. Um, a lot of you guys have, even though you're young, you've already been through a lot of things in life. You've already experienced a lot of things. This has been the craziest year in the world. I would not want to grow up where, uh, in a time where everything, I don't know, like you're being formed, but while you're being formed, everything around you is also forming, and you have a front row seat to everything and anything all the time, and it's exhausting. I don't envy you. And there are so many things that you guys will encounter that I never had to encounter um, that I'm having to kind of encounter through you. However, if you do not bring your stuff to the Lord to heal, if you are honest with the Lord, you will often not hear what's actually being said. You will hear what you think is being said because you haven't gotten over yourself, because you haven't gotten over your stuff. That doesn't mean give it to the Lord and it's healed. It means we're constantly trying to walk. It means we're constantly trying to move forward. It means we're constantly trying, constantly getting better. I've said this all the time. I hate the fact that people say there's no striving in his grace because this feels like striving. Faith feels like, like work. And oftentimes luck smells like sweat. Like it, it feels like this is striving. And oftentimes if, if I don't bring these things to the Lord, when people speak to me, I don't hear what they're saying. I hear what I think they should be saying. Because I'm hearing it through the lens of my own issue. I haven't handled my stuff. I told Lily the other day, she's a, she's a sermon example quite a bit. I told her the other day she needs to get her stuff together. And I don't even think I know what I meant about, about that. She was trying to clean her room, but she wasn't doing a great job. And I was like, girl, you got to get your stuff together. Like, we can't walk in your room. You have to figure this out. And she was like, well, I don't know what to do. I was like, clean your room. I don't know where to start. Start at the door. I think that I'm being very plain with her, but I'm not hearing her question. I'm not hearing her concern. I don't know what to do. We'll start here. That's, that's not what she needs. I don't know where to start. We'll go here. That's not what she needs. What she needs is dad to do it with her. And if we could just be honest, like, Jesus, I need you to do it with me. Or friend, A or B or C, I need you to do this with me. Last thing. Uh, Mary Oliver says this. If you don't know Mary Oliver, just Google her. She's fantastic. Um, Attention without feeling, I began to learn, is only rapport. And openness and empathy, those were necessary if my attention was to matter. So all of your striving in grace and all those crazy things that are hard and difficult, all of your reading your Bible and all of your disciplines and all of your devotional times and all those things, if it is only for what you're going to get out of it, if you're only going to well to the well to grab a drink for yourself, it'll be empty. Because an openness and an empathy, that's what makes attention matter. All the attention that I'm spending on the Lord, all the attention that I'm spending on his word, all the attention that I'm spending on, on my family, it's not just for us. It can't just be for us. Um, so what... We'll end with this. What I love about the video of the lady singing down the Chick-fil-A drive-thru is this. The Chick-fil-A can do two things for you. Chick-fil-A can do two, and both are fine. Um, Ch- Chick-fil-A can, can make you be super thankful that the bird has died. I don't know what they cook their chicken in. Um, it is anointed. Uh, and, and so, so Chick-fil-A can, can you, I had Chick-fil-A yesterday. Um, you, you can, you can have the experience of the Chick-fil-A and then you can leave the Chick-fil-A really, really, really desiring to go back to Chick-fil-A. And then you can just kind of keep doing that thing. But then, uh, what happens if they close the Chick-fil-A? Lord forbid. 
What happens if they close the Chick-fil-A? Besides the fact that we all protest, that's something I'm going to get behind. I'll be in the streets. We're going to protest. The, right? It's not happening. I'm praying it doesn't happen. Um, or the Chick-fil-A experience can make me thankful that Chick-fil-A exists. It can make me thankful that it's opened my eyes to a new chicken experience. It can produce worship for the one who created the chicken, not just for the awesome chicken. Amen. The chicken, they've had to do a whole lot to make this chicken taste like what it tastes like. Because I've had chicken like pretty much right off the chicken, and it isn't this good. But having Chick-fil-A, it can do two things. It can make me thankful for Chick-fil-A, or it can make me thankful for the giver of the chicken. This hilarious video that's produced worship for, um, I don't know, from the chicken has turned the chicken upward into the giver of the gift, not just the gift. Can we get over ourselves and see that we have a marked path that's not marked by, this, by my importance, that's not marked by my influence, that's not marked by my relevance, it's marked by the one who says, you get to walk this path and I'm going to walk it with you. Let me pray for us. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you're good to us. We thank you for Chick-fil-A. Lord, we thank you so much for Chick-fil-A. We uh, pray that you would find a team to staff it on Sundays. Um, Lord, we thank you so much that you're doing good things among our people. We thank you so much for Move. We pray for Mix. We are expectant for you to meet us there. And everybody said amen. Hey, Mix, we're leaving tomorrow at 1 p.m.